Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Turtletow from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from the Twin Cities is Lisa Beth Lantini-Walker. Lisa Beth is CEO and founder of Lumen Worldwide Endeavors. She's also a member of the SCCE and HCCA board and the author of the chapter, Building Cultures of Integrity in Remote and Hybrid Environments for the newest edition of the Complete Compliance and Ethics Manual. Uh, Lisa, thanks for taking the time to write the article and for speaking with us today. It's always such a pleasure to spend time with you on the podcast. Oh, well, thank you. It's good to have you back. Now, let's get into this topic. First, during the pandemic, have you seen corporate cultures affected? Are they staying strong or getting stretched and fraying with the distance? What's going on out there? You know, I think this is a tale of multiple stories, right? You had a number of different organizations that never stopped being in person because they were critical services, critical infrastructure. Then you had uh, a group of organizations that had always been remote. And so they weren't particularly impacted either, other than their home lives were changing and there were different stresses and pressures. But there was a large segment of uh, the work world that had historically been based in offices, had headquarters that were filled with people, and they suddenly had this snap moment where they went from an organization that was very accustomed to a culture that involved high touch interaction. Uh, So you saw these different experiences that happened and the evolution was quite rapid. Organizations that were built to be remote, that was easy. Organizations that were built to be in person, that was a lot harder. Yeah, I think you know you make a really good point that there really is no one situation. Everything was so different. And even within organizations, I'm sure there was you know, a tremendous amount of differentiation. I wonder what's going to happen though when we go back to the office. You know, do you think there'll be a culture for people in the office and one for those who aren't, or a multiplicity for those who work remotely? What's your sense? I think that there will be varying experiences. I think that we have learned so much about how to stay in contact even when we are not in the same physical environment. Students have learned this. Our uh, peers at other organizations have learned this. But human beings are human beings. And the way that our brains are wired, there is absolutely an element of bias that we experience when we are in person with individuals. So I think that we will actively have to address natural proximity bias and make sure that we evolve cultures that are inclusive, including different work spaces and different work times. So I think that there's work to be done to acknowledge the inherent bias and to address it so that the workplace becomes a much better situation for everyone. You know, I think you tapped into something really important there. You know, somebody I remember reading uh, had, had said that humans are the only hurting animals that like to pretend they're not hurting animals. And you know, we do do tend to have something of a herding tribal nature to us. And, you know, there's inside, outside, and it's a, uh, 
it's a tough thing. So how do we ensure that people who are sitting at home in their kitchens wearing fuzzy slippers uh, still feel a part of the culture? Well, you know, when we look at culture, it really is the accumulation of experiences of every single person that an organization touches. And when we think about how to build cohesive cultures, even when you don't have that artificial proximity, I think that you really need to think about massive communication and clarity around things like vision and values, the practices and foundations that you have, the stories that are told about that organization, the incentives that are created, and the support that exists from your leadership to be able to continue to drive cohesive culture when you don't have artificial environments such as geographical or building locations that are common and familiar to all people. And that's a great aspiration. Now, what are some signs of cultural trouble that compliance teams should be watching out for? Well, I think the signs of cultural trouble often are linked to signs of ethical trouble. Uh, I always look to see what are employees saying and doing. So if you have a higher level of disengagement, you will find that generally the culture is experiencing a downturn and very likely there is more opportunity or incentive for unethical behavior or behavior that's not in alignment with what you expect. So I always look at the compliance and ethics function as being a little bit of a bellwether to how are things going? What is the temperature and the pulse check on the organization? And certainly we need to be that to really know what's going on and do the jobs right. And, you know, as you were describing the sort of disengagement thing, it made me think of the observation that a lot of organizations before the pandemic, people talked about a culture of I'll be gone, you'll be gone. So let's just manage to the next quarter or year, and then we'll all be leaving the jobs anyway. Uh, and in a situation now where people are at home and sort of feel gone already, that can get much worse. Now, if a compliance team sees signs of a troubled culture, where do you start to turn back the tide and make things better? I always think that it's important for your top of the house, your executives to understand what's happening. It's harder to understand uh, when you don't have the pulse checks that you're accustomed to. So I really think it's important to educate your top of the house, get support for a renewed and resilient culture of integrity, help build relationships and provide tools to enable connection, connectedness. You do not have to be physically proximate to have connectedness, but it does take intent and a mindful approach to how you are going to engage and connect with people. So I think that executive support, making sure that everything that you have done from a policies and procedures and a tool standpoint help to support the culture you're trying to drive. And then call out that this is what you really want to work on. Acknowledging when there are hiccups within a system is really important to maintaining credibility and helping to move forward. 
So one of the challenges is going to be having a good feedback loop. How do we keep that going and what communication does it take to make it really effective and vibrant? So one of the things that I think is really important in communication is, number one, just because you have a message that you want to land doesn't mean that it is going to be received and heard in the way that you want by your audience. You need to understand that different audiences have different drivers and they have different needs. So you need to make sure that your message is landed in a way that in addresses the needs of your audience, which means you have to understand the different types of people, the different challenges that they're facing, and truly tailor your message to them. Now, on top of that, when you communicate, it can't be a one and done. It has to be an ongoing situation, including receiving feedback. So, there needs to be a way that you can have that two-way conversation moving forward. So what does feedback look like? It can be received in lots of different ways. It can be through direct emails to you. You can use surveys. Um, I personally like to see engagement surveys happening regularly because they start to show you trends of what's happening and incremental improvements or uh, incremental challenges. But when you talk about feedback, you can incorporate things like facilitated group meetings. Uh, you can also have special projects, right? There are lots of ways that you can get that feedback, make sure that you understand how your message is being perceived, and then adjust accordingly. And last but not least, um, when we're talking about this communication, it can't, like we said before, it can't just be one and done. You have to look at what they use commonly in communication terms, which is seven times seven ways. So when you communicate, you need to think about the different methodologies and also the different places and spaces so that you can get that communication just in time and then foster an openness to the feedback. Just soliciting feedback isn't enough. You need to really think about solutions beyond just a simple ask, although that is a good first step. And you really made a great point. I mean, even advertising doesn't believe that people can hear a message once, that there's a reason why you see a commercial several times. And I think it's something that's important for all of us to remember, too, that one exposure is not enough. It needs to be repeated, both for people to remember it, and I think in this context, to understand that the organization is serious and that it's willing to invest over and over again in sharing these messages with people. Well, Lisa, thank you again for sharing these insights with us uh, today, as well as in your chapter, Building Cultures of Integrity in Remote and Hybrid Environments in the new edition of the Complete Compliance and Ethics Manual. Finally, I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Chirltaup from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective. <music>